The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Sounds of the Anteater Kingdom on 88.9 FM KUCI in Irvine. Hello there, my name's Shane Burke, you're listening to Tech Talk here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Uh, This is basically the show where we are going to talk all about making websites. Today our topic is XHTML, Extensible Hypertext Markup Language. So uh, let's just get right into it. I I hope you enjoy this show. Okay, here we go. As I said in the intro, in the opening, that we are doing extensible hypertext markup language, or XHTML, which sounds very confusing, but it's not. It's, It's a markup language, as the name implies. And basically that means that you're using plain text, and you're marking it up with special tags that the language offers. Um, that you have to memorize, but if you just listen to the show, you'll a couple times, I'm sure you'll get them. You don't have to really like try and memorize them. Um, they'll just come naturally over time. Um, and a lot of them make sense, too, so it's not totally arbitrary. Um, so, again, it's very, very easy, and I'm just going to uh, list off a couple of the rules that we have to follow when we are programming with the XHTML 1.0 strict doc type, which is what we're going to be doing. Um, and there's just a couple basic rules that you need to file, uh, follow, excuse me. And uh, those are basically, well, first I should mention that you have to use a plain text editor to build a website. You can't use something like Microsoft Word. You need to use Notepad or, or something like that, something that does not put extra uh, gobbledygook inside of the web page. Um, an example is Microsoft Word or Text Edit, even which is pretty simple on a Mac, but um, it still includes all that stuff for presentation, which we don't want. Uh, we want to control the presentation of our website with our uh, HTML markup. So that's what we're what I stress to you. So use something like Notepad. Um, there's a program called Text Wrangler if you're on a Mac. Um, it's great. It's free. So I, I think it, the website is bare bones. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. Um, but if you just Google Text Wrangler, then you will find it. And it's great because it's got um, syntactic highlighting, which means um, it'll help you recognize when you need to open and close tags and things like that. And the various languages that you're using within a certain document. Um, we're going to get to that in a second, so don't, don't sh- stress about that. Um, so I encourage you to download that program. It's free. Um, it's only for Macs, though. So uh, Notepad would work if you're on a PC. Uh, okay, so let me just talk about the basic things that we need to include uh, to build an HTML file. And I'm going to include this file on our website. Um, so you, first thing you need to do is open up with a doc type line, which is just a uh, something you have to copy and paste. Again, you can just download the file and it'll be right there so you don't even really have to type any of this stuff in, but I'm just letting you know um so as you look at webs over the inter- look at websites, excuse me, on the internet, you can do that by just going view source on your web browser. You can actually see the HTML that that page uses to display the site to you. Um 
And so basically, I just want to familiarize you a little bit with all these various things that you're going to see, but you don't necessarily have to memorize these ones because they're widely available. You can just copy and paste them, or you can download my file and just type what you want uh, your web page to look like in the body of uh, the file. So that makes it very easy for you. Okay, so once again, you've got a doc type, you've got an opening HTML tag, and you have a head tag, a body tag, and within the head tag you have a title tag, and you can also include these things called comments. Um, so first let me explain what a tag is to make it a little bit more clear. A tag is basically a word, the element name as it's called, um, followed, it, it is in between the uh, less than sign and the greater than sign. So that's the, that would be the opening tag. So one of the tags that we're going to commonly talk about is the div tag, D-I-V. And so the way you would do an opening div tag is you do less than sign, D-I-V, greater than sign. And that's, that's a tag. Um, the closing tag for a, the corresponding closing tag for a div would be uh, the less than sign, a forward slash, the word div, and then a greater than sign. So it's pretty simple, opening and closing that tag. And anything you put, any words you put inside of those two tags would be to the web browser inside of that div, that div tag. So that makes sense. It's very, very easy. So yes, we would have an HTML tag, a head, a body, and they're all open and closed in the same fashion. And we also have the title tag. Um, the title tag is basically what you would be doing for... Um, uh, if you have a, um, if you if you want to just put a title to your page, so when you go to a page, like at, if you go to Google, it would say Google at the top of that page um, in your web browser. So uh, that's what the title tag would be. Um, now I just want to talk. About, now that we've kind of got the basics down, and you know that you can just download that file and it'll be all correct for you. I want to talk about the rules of forming a proper um, document with the XHTML doc type that we're using. So. The rules for well-formed documents are um, that XHTML elements must be properly nested. So that's one of them. Uh, rule two is that XHTML elements must be in lowercase. Uh, rule three is that XHTML elements must have one root element. Number four is that XHTML elements must always be closed. Um, number five is that attribute names must be lowercase. Number six is that alt values must be single quoted. Uh, that's kind of something that I've added. <coughs> Excuse me. And number seven is that all attributes should have a value. And number eight is that you should always use an ID attribute instead of the name attribute. Except for these things with forms, which I'm sure you, you've experienced. You've experienced a form somewhat, sometime in your life. Um, so now let me just kind of go through these and explain them a, a little bit more clearly because I'm sure that's kind of very obscure to you. You don't understand what, what, what all that means. So the first rule is that XHTML elements must be properly nested. Um, basically like we just talked about, you need to open the tag and close the tag with the corresponding closing tag. Um, so that's a pretty simple rule. And like I said, with a program like Text Wrangler, it will actually highlight the opening and closing for you so it makes it very easy to see if you've forgotten something. Um, another resource that you can use is a website called validator.w3.org. W3C is a, um, it's basically the, the web body that establishes standards. 
So um, they have a validator there, and you can actually copy and paste the text of your page, or you can um, actually upload a file. And I think you can reference a URL if, it's, if your site is actually live. Um, and so you can do that, and it will... Um, it will tell you whether you are following all these rules that I just mentioned, all eight rules. So that's a, that's a great tool that you can use. I encourage you, you really should validate all your pages um, for reasons that we're going to discuss a little bit later um, in future episodes of this show. Basically, you want to directly specify what you want the web, the web browser to do. All the web browsers act differently. It is something that we all hate. <laughs> Um, because it really complicates things, but um, it's just something we've got to live with. But if we follow the direct, um, all the uh, rules that I'm telling you and, and follow, strictly follow the doc type, then we won't have as much of a problem. We'll, we'll be able to quite easily um, rectify any problems that, that result um, if we just stay standards compliant. So the third rule would be that XHTML elements must have one root element. Again, that's actually in that file. The HTML tag is our root element that we're going to be using. So that's very easy. That's already there for you. Um, number four is that XHTML elements must always be closed. <coughs> Excuse me again. Um, so that actually gets into... There's a couple different classes of elements. There's the ones that I just described to you earlier where you open and close it, but there's some that actually are open and closed in the same tag. You don't need a separate tag. So that actually has to do with... Excuse me, I just need a little bit of water. Um, that actually has to do with things like image tags and things that we're going to get into. I'll, I'll mention all of them for you as we go. But basically, what you want to do is, is open the tag with the less than sign, write the name of the tag, and then you're going to put a space, a forward slash, and a greater than sign. And that's basically how you're going to complete um, that tag. It's going to be open and closed in the same line, which is kind of nice because it, it, it's shorter. Um, so let me go on to the fifth rule, and that's that attribute names must be lowercase. That is just something that you should follow always. Um, it's very, very uh, simple. If you just get in the habit of writing everything lowercase now, then you're in good shape. This is kind of something that's come up a little bit later, but now it's something that's very, very um, enforced, I would say. But back in the 90s, there weren't as many rules with respect to websites, and people were capitalizing things. They were keeping things lowercase. So the W3C basically just said, let's do everything lowercase if you want it to be standards compliant. Um, and then you've got alt values must be single quoted, or attribute values must be single quoted. Um, an attribute is a, a certain class that is included in the opening tag. And um, I've said that you should single quote them because we're going to talk about later in the show a language called PHP, which is a server-side language, meaning it is on a separate computer than the computer that the user is actually visiting the website from. So um, basically, um, when you use a server-side language, we actually have regular quotes that are used within our language. So we, it, we would have to escape 
if we wanted to um, actually use a regular quote. So instead we use single quotes so we don't have to escape. It saves us some time. So I recommend that you get in the habit of just single quoting all of your HTML attribute values. Um, like I said, we're going to talk a little bit later on about attribute values, one of the, or attributes. One of them is the ID attribute, which is a unique value specified to only one element in the document. Um, so basically, um, to give you an example how that would be used, they're basically separated by spaces. So if you had a div tag, then you would open the tag with um, the less than sign, uh, write div space id, which is the name of the attribute, equals sign, uh, apostrophe, so single quote, the value of that, of that um, attribute, and then another single quote to close it. And then since a, um, a div element is not a singleton, as I said earlier, we would actually just not include a space and a forward slash and a greater than sign. We would just do a greater than sign. So I know that this is kind of difficult to understand over the radio, but if you look at the um, website, you look at some web pages, and you um, look at our video that I'm going to put up, I think it'll be very easy to understand. So uh, don't, don't fear if you're, if you're not following everything right now. Um, after, uh, rule 6, I'm sorry, rule 7 is that all attributes should have a value. This comes from um, another thing that was done in the old days of webs, of the website, of web, um, excuse me, the internet, um, where people were actually creating websites and they were using, for certain um, attributes, they were using attribute values that um, kind of exist on their own. So they were just naming the attribute and not giving it a value. Um, and there's examples of these that we'll talk about later in future episodes that mainly have to do with forms. Um, so you want to make sure that you always provide an attribute value to every attribute that you have. Otherwise, there's no reason of really specifying an attribute. Just think of it like that. It's kind of logical. And then the last rule that I said earlier was that we should always use an ID attribute instead of a name attribute. And the exception is with forms. Again, the name attribute is something that kind of came into being in the earlier part of the web. Um, everyone is kind of shifting to the ID attribute instead. Um, so if you, if you want to use the name attribute, however, you... Okay, let me, let me back up and say that when you're using a server-side language to actually accept the values from a form, then you actually have to reference a name. So for a form, if you wanted to identify a unique value to every element, you would actually have to include an ID attribute and a name attribute, which um, it's kind of, I wish that you could just do an ID attribute and be done with it, but unfortunately that's just not the way it is. So um, just be aware of that. The only exception is with forms where you can use the name attribute and an ID attribute. Otherwise, you shouldn't use both for any other types of, of tags. You should just use the ID attribute. Whew, okay, so now we're all done with all of those rules. So now let's get into the actual building blocks of the web. These are the tags that you're going to use on a daily basis, and you're going to see them used really often. Um, whether or not that's good or not, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit later in the show, this show. Um, so let me just list off them. 
Uh, we've got the div, D-I-V. We've got span, S-P-A-N. We've got the headings, which is H1 through H6. Um, so H1, H2, H3, H4, H5, H6. Um, we've got the P, which is paragraph. We've got A, which are links. We've got um, IMG, or images. We've got strong, which is basically bolding um, your, your, um, your, the text that you have within that tag. Um, you've got EM, which is italicizing it. it so I should say the strong is, is, obviously, it has a semantic meaning, so it, it means that this is important. EM would be emphasized text, so again, that's important text. Um, it usually is rendered as italicized text. You have lists, tables, forms, definition lists, and um, also some less used tags that I'll talk about at the end of the hour. Um, the list, tables, forms, a definition list, they actually have their own tags that I'm going to discuss again a little bit later. But I'm going to talk just a little bit more in depth about um, divs and spans because you're going to see these really often and they're not tags that have a semantic meaning. So what do I mean by that? Basically, semantic meaning is that your website, um, or I'm sorry, the elements that you're using are conveying something about the data that's contained within them. So if you're using a div tag, what is a div? It's just a division. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I can't really explain it. A span is a span of text, but it doesn't really say anything about the text in there. So you'll find that these are often used as handle, handlers, um, so you can reference them for, with other languages such as CSS and JavaScript, which we're going to talk about in future episodes, so don't worry about it. But um, they are the most common things that you're going to see on the Internet. Whether or not that's good, I would tend to say no because I, I like to really specify what is in my, um, my HTML documents. But um, So I encourage you to actually not use divs and spans for basic presentation, or I'm sorry, to use them for only when you need to specify something for, for a presentation. And we'll talk about that in future episodes again. So right now, as you're building just a plain text HTML page, I really recommend that you try and avoid using divs and spans. But as you look around the Internet, you're going to see them a lot. And people use them when really they shouldn't be. So be aware of that. The H1 through H6 tags, or heading tags, are really very important for search engines. They are telling the search engine what is on that page. They shouldn't be overused, but um, you definitely should be using them also to, because they're important. It, it helps your users understand what they're seeing. It's important for screen readers. Another important thing about why we want to use semantic markup in the first place is we want to support people with disabilities, people that are blind. They use screen readers, um, and they've, they've actually got these cool Braille things that they use. So um, it's amazing how we're able to um, support visitors from different uh, disab disabilities and uh, people that have um, of different skill levels on the Internet. Um, by using proper semantic markup. So it's something you should use because you don't want to ex exclude people from using your website. Um, so always use your heading tags. The heading tags should be used sequentially. You shouldn't be uh, specifying an H1 tag and then um, like an H6 tag. You should instead 
go through every single one before um, you actually get to an H6. So if I had an H1, it would be improper for me in the next, if my next heading tag was an H3, that would be improper. Instead, I should change that to an H2. Um, and so you should always start off at the top of your document with an H1. Um, and you can also use the title tag that I talked about, which goes in the head, and um, that will be helpful if, for example, you have the same text in your title and heading, then you would obviously want to put it in the title tag as well. Uh, the P tag or paragraph tag is something that, you know, it, it's something that I prefer to use over a div or a span because it actually has a meaning, um, but it's one of those things that um, is basically, it's used very often, and um, so you should always use that after a heading tag. And um, so, yeah, there's not very much to say about that because it, it's pretty basic. The A tag... Now, now we're really getting into the internet. The A tag is, the, or links, are basically what makes up the internet. We wouldn't have an internet if we didn't have links because Google couldn't create the interconnected web. So um, there's two important attributes that you need to use, and you should always uh, specify. Well, there's one attribute, and you should always include a text that describes what the link is, obviously within the opening and closing tags of the A. But the important um, uh, attribute that you need to specify is href, which I think is hypertext reference. I'm not sure. You can't quote me on that. Um, but basically, that is the URL that you want the link to go to, or the other website. So if I wanted to go to KUCI.org, um, I would do A, or I'm sorry, uh, less than sign, A space, href, H-R-E-F, equals single, uh, or uh, single quote, uh, www.kuci.org, single quote, close the opening tag with a greater than sign, and then you would just say, this is the link to kuci.org or something like that. And then you would close that A tag with a, um, less, a greater, less than sign slash A and a greater than sign. So that's basically how you would form a link. And then an image, like I said, is a singleton. So that's the next one on this list. A singleton is, again, open and closed in the same line. So you would do um, the important attributes that you need to include for an image are source, SRC, and alt, ALT. Um, the alt is basically, I think it stands for alternate text, but it's basically, it gives some meaning to the search engines and to disabled visitors of what the image is. Because when Google comes to your website to index your page, the, the computer programs have no idea what the image is. It doesn't see the image. So it only sees the text, the, the HTML markup that we are using. So we have to specify an alt tag. That's really important. And obviously the source, we wouldn't have an image if we didn't have a source of the image. So that's basically the location of the image on your web page, on your website. Um, so again, if just as an example, if I had an image at my website, which is shamebrook.me, slash, I'll say my image name is um, just image.jpg, then I would do um, a less than sign, img space src for source equals single quote um, KUC, or, um, shamebrook.me slash, uh, let's see, what did I say? I, just slash image, img dot 
JPEG, I think I said. Um, space, alt, which would be this is my image or something like that. You would want something much more descript, but um, for this example, that's all right. So space, the alt equals this is my image in single quotes, and then close that with um, a space, a forward slash, and a greater than sign. So that, so you see how that's a singleton. It, it's kind of different. Um, it can exist on its own in the same line. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was the strong tag. Now this is not a singleton. Um, and basically there's no important uh, things that you need to add to it, no important attributes. So it's basically if you want to emphasize something, you can use a strong tag. There's other tags um, like the bold tag and there's the italics tag. But like I said earlier, we really prefer strong and em to the bold and italicized respectively because they provide the same uh, visual meaning if CSS is disabled. We can actually add italicized text and bold text with CSS, which, CSS, which, our, which is our next episode. Um, so you don't even have to specify an image or a strong tag or an em tag if you don't uh, want to. Um, but basically, I mean, basically the point I'm trying to get across is that you should separate your presentation and your logic. So if you have something that is really important and needs to be emphasized, that should go in a strong tag or an EM tag. Um, whereas something that you just want to be italicized for presentation meaning, then, I mean, you can just use a span because that really doesn't matter. It's just presentational. So, um, and you can reference the class which is a attribute. Um, we'll get to that next 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 week. Um, so you can just actually italicize the text inside that span without giving it the special meaning. If it has no special meaning, if you just like the look of italicized text, then that's what you should do. Okay, and now we've got lists. So there's two major types of lists. There's a UL and an OL. UL stands for unordered list, and OL stands for ordered list. Um, when you have CSS disabled, you can totally change up a list. It won't even look like a list with CSS. So it's very, very powerful. We'll talk about that next week again. Um, but basically, an ordered list is just a bulleted list. That's how it looks. <coughs> Excuse me. An ordered list has numbers associated with each list item in the list. So, um, and obviously there's a meaning to an ordered list. So, for example, on my website, once I get it up, I'm going to have a list of the previous shows. So you can actually click on that. You can uh, go to the podcast for that. You can go to all the download files. You can go to the videos, all that stuff. And I use an ordered list because that makes sense. It makes sense because all these shows are coming in order. It makes sense to use an OL instead of a UL. Um, and basically, what you need to know about OLs and ULs, they actually use the same tag within them. So if you would open up a ordered list, inside you would have to include the LI element, which is a list item. Um, so basically, if I, on my website, I have the XHTML, which is this show. So I would do um, OL as my opening tag. Inside that tag, I would actually include a LI saying, XHTML, I would close that LI tag, and then I would close the um, UL tag. Or did I say UL or OL? I don't remember. But I would have to actually 
obviously close with the same tag that I opened with. Um, and that's that nesting that I described earlier. So it, that's an example of nesting. Um, uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was tables. Now tables are things that you're going to see a lot used for presentation, which is very much advised, uh, disadvised now. You shouldn't be using them for presentation. Instead, you should be using them for um, tabular data, which makes sense. Data that should actually appear in a table. So, for example, I'm a neurobiology major here. If I wanted to uh, publish a paper online, but I wanted it to be accessible instead of a, in a PDF format, in an XHTML format, or just an HTML format, whatever you prefer, it's all basically the same, um, then I, I would basically just... Uh, use a table to display that data instead of something else. But a lot of people have gotten into the practice of using tables to actually display content. So they'll slice up their, their background images and put them into tables. That you should not do. You can use divs and spans for that sort of stuff. And we're going to talk about that much more in, in the next episode. So don't worry about that yet. But just, just a word to, for, for some advice there. Um, so basically with the table, you've got the table tag, which makes sense. And within the table tag, there's a couple of things that you can actually include in it. And uh, it, it depends based on the size of your, ta your table, how much you actually include. Um, so I'm going to start with just the basic things. Uh, those are the TR and TDs. A TR goes directly inside of a table tag, and a TD goes directly inside of a TR tag. So table row is what TR is, and TD is, is like a table cell. Um, and then there's also something called the TH, which is a table header. So that can be used in place of a TD. Um, and those should be used for things like if I had a table that I wanted to say um, I have concentration of propranolol on one, on, in one column, and I have the um, effect on um, a certain memory score or something on the other, then I would do, uh, actually, inside of a TH instead of a TD, I would do the text of um, concentration of propranolol, and then I would do another TH with the um, memory test or whatever I wanted to do in that other one, and all the data cells below it would actually just be regular TDs instead. So hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. And I realize that it's kind of difficult to get this over the radio, so I'm going to actually be including a video online on our website, shamebrook.me. Um, so you're actually going to be able to watch me make a table, and it'll make more, much more sense, because the nesting of these can be a little confusing. Um, so I just wanted to let you know that. There's also some groupings that we can do. Um, well, first I should say, actually, for every table that you make, you should use the summary attribute. Um, so this is basically a summary of what the table is, um, and that actually goes in the big the table tag. Uh, so that's assigned to the table element. Um, and there's also the caption tag, which actually goes, it has to go directly after the opening tag of the table, and that is basically, again, it's kind of like a summary of what, of what the table is. Um, so you can use that. Uh, you don't have to. These, I, I find that you should really use a summary tag or summary attribute for the table tag, but you don't really have to use a caption if your if your table is really really simple. Um, 
but I'm going to be making a simple table on on the video, and I'll be using them anyway because I don't want to type out a whole bunch of data. It just takes a lot of time. So uh, definitely reference that video. Um, there's also two things called call group and call. Uh, that stands for column group and column, uh, respectively. And basically, you can assign widths to multiple columns. So this is really nice because when we get into CSS um, and presentation, it's going to be nice to be able to have a handle to reference a whole lot of things and not have to individually specify a class for all the table cells because that would take a lot of time. So time and it would really bloat the size of our page, which we don't really want to do. So um, those are things that I'm going to talk about more in the future. So I wouldn't worry about those yet. Um, and then, so those are basically for grouping columns, the call group and call tags. Um, and then you've also got things for grouping rows. So these are the T head, T foot, and T body. Um, so basically you've got, uh, in the head you would do things like, um, again, the header. So going back to my example with propranolol, and I should probably pick something a little bit easier to understand for non-neurobiology people. But propranolol and uh, our memory score, then um, obviously those would go in the head because, and they would be enclosed in THs instead of TD tags, um, because that makes sense. That's that's the heading, the header of our of our of our document. The T foot is more for things like citations. Um, you should always follow the T head by a T foot. If you have a T foot, um, the T head and T-foot have to be before the T-bodies, just so you know that. And then the T-bodies are basically um, if you want to group certain rows. So again, for styling or um, maybe they have a semantic meeting, then you can actually group them with the T-body. Um, so, and then I think the last thing I said, uh, I, actually we've got two more, uh, three more, because we've got the less used tags. So the forms is our next big topic of interest. The form is a form tag, it's F-O-R-M, and um, basically there's a couple things you need to do. You need to include an attribute for um, called action, and you need to use an attribute for method, which is get or post. Those are the values that you can use. Um, we'll get into those in, when we t start talking about PHP and actually processing forms, um, but just so you know, it, it, I just want to let you know that those are the two important things that you need to use. Um, you can also specify things like character sets, but we'll get into that later, so don't worry about that. But those are basically the two things that you need to make a form work. Otherwise, it won't work. Um, well, and I think if you omit the um, method, then it will default to something, but we don't want to do that. We want to specify what we want the website to do. Um, there's optional tags that you can use um, within the form. The first one would be a field set, F-I-E-L-D-S-E-T. Um, that is basically, it helps for longer forms if you divide up your long form into smaller sections. So for example, if I had a registration form and I wanted people to provide like a username and their email address um, and maybe their actually like their billing address, then it would be helpful to divide up maybe the email address and the username into like basic um, user information field set. And I would use the legend to actually specify 
the legend tag is used to specify what the field set is supposed to be. So um, you would open a field set, open and close the legend, and, and put the um, actual text that you want within the legend inside the legend uh, to specify what that field set is about. And then you would, um, after you include all of your different um, uh, form elements, the input, the button, and the select, and field and text area, then you would close that field set. And you could open another one. You don't even have to use a field set in Legend if you have a short form. But basically you would do, for this example, you would do a, um, you would open with a thing for personal information maybe, and then another one for billing address. So inside the tag we would do, the tag for the legend for those field sets, we do personal information, and in the second legend we would do um, billing information or something like that. Um, and I already mentioned these a little bit later, a little bit earlier, I'm sorry. Um, the input, which is a singleton, you should know. The button, the select, and the text area. So those are the major tags that you associate with forms. The other ones are kind of like structural things and for people with disabilities. Um, but these are the main ones that the user actually interacts with. The input can take many different forms. It can be a button. There's actually a type button that you can use. Um, the, the attribute, I should say, is type, and the value would be button. Um, but we also have the button tag. I prefer using the button tag because I've, it's underused, and I like to use it. Um, but just know that you can use the input tag for many, many different things. You just specify what you want it to be with the type attribute and um, the values for those you can find on various websites. There's a website called w3schools.com where you can actually reference all of these things that I'm talking about. It's free and it's a great resource because they've got all of the attributes, um, all of the tags, everything. If you go to w3schools.com slash I think it's tags, then you would actually have all of these tags that I'm talking about, and you can reference this on your own time um, as you're building your own websites. So, like I said, you've got your input tag, you've got your button tag, uh, the select, which is like a drop-down list, um, and text area, which is basically like a big... Uh, with an input, you can have a text field, it's, and uh, a text area is just like a really big text field, so for multiple lines of text. And um, within a select, you can actually uh, kind of hier hierarchically organize your information, and I encourage you to do this. Many websites don't, and I'm going to bring up an example from a user's perspective that would be a great place to use this next tag that I'm going to talk about. It's called an opt group, O-P-T group. Um, basically, an opt group is you would specify a, the value attribute for it, and it would be something that describes a group of options, and that's our next tag. Um, so the option tag goes within opt groups. You don't have to include opt groups if you have a short select list, but if you have a long select list, like for example, would be um, a list of countries in the world, it makes absolutely no sense um, to just include a long list of countries in the world. A lot of websites do that and as you know if you have to scroll down all the way to the bottom to get to the United States that's incredibly annoying. So you could do an opt group for the most frequently used countries. That could be like your first thing so you could have like the United States, the United Kingdom, or I think it's Great Britain, I don't know. Um, 
uh, I'm not good with geography. Um, so you can you can do all the most frequently uh, requested countries, and that kind of gets into analytics. That's something we'll talk about much later in the show. So how you actually do that, we can talk about later. Um, but basically, you would do the opt group. You would say frequently used countries um, include that would be the value um, attribute for the opt group, and then all the subsequent options would have value attributes if you want to specify a different value. Um, and you could also include inside the two tags, the actual text. So the text that you display to the user inside that select list, which is the text inside of the two tags, the opening and closing tags for the option, can actually be different than the value you send to your server to actually process the form. So just that's something you, you can know, but um, we'll get into that a little bit later also. Um, so, um, and, and then continuing with that example, you could also do, you could maybe divide all the countries into continents. So you could do a North America opt group, um, a Europe, a Europe opt group. You could do Australia and Antarctica are not good, but you could do Asia and, and Africa. And I think that's all of them. Maybe not. Oh, North America, South America. Okay. I think I got them all now. <laughs> um, so just know that that's something you can do, and I encourage you to um, make your forms very accessible. This is something, this is a topic we're going to talk about, like I said, m in much more detail in the future. So don't feel, uh, don't feel nervous. Um, this is another thing that I'm probably going to include in a video because there's a lot here. It's very difficult to understand all the grouping, all of the nesting that's involved. Some things are optional, some things aren't, so I'm definitely going to include a video for you so it makes more sense. Um, so that brings us to the end of our forms, and now we just need to talk about definition lists. Um, those are defined by the DL tag, and within them you can have a DT tag, well you need to, uh, the DT tag and the DD tag. Um, so that's definition term and definition definition. Um, so this is basically for if you were building like a um, maybe a dictionary or maybe urban dictionary. I don't know if they do this, but they probably should. Um, if they had a page of a whole bunch of terms, then you could do um, a definition list and you could do for each term, enclose it, enclose it in a DT and then follow it by a DD. So that makes a nice way. And both the DT and DD are uh, nested within the DL element. Um, so that brings us to the end of all of the most frequently used things on the internet. Um, now I'm just going to kind of talk about things that are less frequently used. They're available to you. Um, I encourage you to use them to create uh, rich HTML documents with great semantic meaning. Um, but frankly, they're things that aren't used very often, and some of them aren't even very well supported across multiple browsers. Um, like I said, if you go to that w3schools.com website, they'll actually, they have a little um, picture of all of the different browsers, and it will tell you whether it's supported in all the browsers or if it's only supported in a couple browsers. So check that out if um, you're running into any issues, because it may not be very well supported on the browser you're using. Um, so one of those is ABBR. Um, that's short for abbreviation. And with an abbreviation, you always want to specify a title um, attribute. And that's basically what you're abbreviating. So 
the inner text of that tag between the opening and closing tags would be um, uh, maybe NASA. I should actually pick something. UCI, um, which would be, uh, and in my title, I would do University of California, Irvine. Uh, it's actually explaining what the, ac the uh, abbreviation is for. Acronym? Well, actually, you would use an acronym for UCI. Um, so I'll just use that as the, the same example. The inner text would be UCI, and you would again define a title attribute with the um, value being University of California, Irvine. Um, address is a neat tag that you can use to say who the author of the page is and, and their contact information. So if people wanted to get a hold of you, they could do that. Um, so this is something I encourage you to use. There's no special attributes you need to use. Um, just in, you know, write your name, your address, phone number, or email address, whatever. Um, whatever you're comfortable putting on the, on the web. If you don't want to use it, don't want to put an address, don't use it then. Uh, I'm totally, I totally understand your privacy. So you, you're definitely not forced to use an address tag. And you'll see as you start going around the web and looking at the actual HTML for a lot of different web pages, a lot of people don't actually use them. So um, it's something that I like to use, um, but it's, it's personal preference. We've got the block quote, which is um, basically for long quotes, and we also have the queue tag, which are shorter quotes. Um, both of those use the site, C-I-T-E, attribute. Um, the value would be a URL pointing to the actual page where you got that, the source page where you actually got the text that you're, you're quoting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, then we actually have, kind of confusing, the site tag. The site tag is used for things like bibliographies. We're actually including a citation. Um, and again, there's no special attributes you need to know about for the site tag. Just use it as, as you cite things. Um, there's the INS or insert. This is basically, and I'll actually introduce the next one also, which is related, the DEL, which is deleted. Um, these are basically things where you want to keep a record of things that are changing. So on a website, um, a good example would be a programming website where um, people are always contributing and updating the code. It's an open source website, so people are updating the code, and you can use the insert and delete tags to specify the changes that have been made to the program while maintaining the actual changes. You're not actually removing them from the document. They're still there. You're just indicating to... Uh, browsers and, and to um, people with disabilities and to obviously most importantly the search engines because that's how we get traffic to our sites um, that the, these are um, inserted slash changed slash deleted um, things in our document and those basically take the form of underlined an insert is underlined usually and a delete is strike through text so there's a line through the text indicating that it, it is deleted now. Um, but again, that's really nice because you can actually maintain a record. And the attributes that you can use for that are site, which is a, UR, a URL explaining why the information was deleted or added. Um, and there's date time, one word, which is the date time of the change. So um, there's a special format for that. If you're going to use an insert and delete tag, ch uh, check it out on w3schools.com. Um, and then there's the uh, 
DFM, which is definition. This is for things where a definition list isn't warranted. It's just a single definition. So you would actually enclose the definition term in uh, the DFN tag. Uh, you wouldn't actually include the actual definition, which I know sounds kind of counterintuitive, but uh, that's just the way it is. <laughs> um, so there's also the KBD tag, which is keyboard, and this is basically data that you want to prompt the user to type in. So maybe a good example would be if you're randomly generating some text and you want the user to type it in so you can make sure that your users are human and uh, there, there aren't um, programs coming to your website and spamming your website, then you could um, enclose the, the information that you want the uh, user to type in, you can enclose that in a KBD tag. And uh, let's see, I'm just looking along my list here. Oh, we've got the pre, the pre-formatted text tag. So it's just PRE. And a, one of the things you'll notice about online is um, all of the white space you add is reduced. It's changed to browser defaults. And uh, so for an example for Safari would be that, because um, I'm on a Mac, a Safari makes everything only one space between even I prefer when I write to um, put double spaces between sentences and um, Safari changes those double spaces to single spaces well what the pre tag does is it says this is pre-formatted text display the text the way I am typing it and I actually use the pre tag on um, our uh, website for this show um, where I actually have a description of this week's show I have a little image uh, for um, what this week is. So if this week is obviously XHTML, and I have an image of XHTML. Um, and next to it, I have the description. And it's kind of um, on a, 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 a diagonal line. And um, so if I just included a fixed width, I would be leaving a lot of dead space. Um, but by using a pre, I can actually push returns in my HTML document, and the browsers will not change my returning it will it, it will actually appear as if um, there's a it, my text is flowing up against the diagonal line so that was the effect I was going for that's an example of how you could use it um, and then there's sub sub and sup sup and those are subscripts and superscripts um, so if you're building a chemistry application then uh, you would want to make use of those um, and then there's a couple that we're going to use heavily in the future, but you don't have to know them now. You don't really have to use them now. So that this is kind of like the, um, oh, what would I call this? I'll, I'll call this like the future tag segment, future tags that we're going to use a lot. Um, so there's the link tag, and that's basically to link to things like style sheets, which is CSS. That's our next episodes episode there is the script tag which is our third episode that's going to be for JavaScript and uh, the corresponding tag for that is no script so if there's no script the browser will actually display if JavaScript is not enabled um, then it will display whatever you type in the no script tag so you could say you need JavaScript to view this website which is not a good way to go by the way because you want to uh, always support people no matter what their uh, facilities are whether they have JavaScript or not, whether they have CSS or not, you always want to have a website that degrades gracefully. That's what we call that. Um, then you've got the style tag, which um, you can use. Um, that's basically for including 
CSS inside of the HTML document and not referencing, re referencing it in an external file as you would do with the link tag. The style tag um, is something that, oh geez, I, I kind of try to stay away from. I try to include everything in a external file because um, there's performance advantages to that. Uh, you can do something called caching and it reduces the size of your page. So um, we're going to get into these things much later in the show after we get into all of our, get through all these first six weeks, all this programming stuff. Um, then it's going to start making sense how we're going to optimize our website for speed and uh, all that. So uh, don't worry too much about that. And then there's also the meta tag. This is something that's important for search engine optimization. Um, you'll notice in my sample file that I'm going to include, there's one meta tag that I use. Um, it's a requirement for to get your page to validate with the W3C validator or with the W3 validator.w3.org. Um, and that is basically, it's a, it, it's telling the browser what kind of content you're providing, it, like what language almost. Um, so we use something called UTF-8, and that is our, our um, care set that we're, character set we're using, our encoding. And um, so it's something that you don't really have to understand, but it's important for security, and we're going to talk about that again in future episodes. Um, and I just wanted to conclude today by mentioning all these singletons that we've got. We've got a BR, which again, remember, singleton is open and closed in the same line. A BR, which is a line break. So if you wanted to force a line break without using a pre tag, the preformatted text tag, then you can use the BR tag. And that's a singleton. There's no attributes you include for it. It's just a BR. BR, uh, less than sign, BR, space, forward slash, greater than sign. That's all. HR, again, treated the same way. No attributes that you need to add to it. And that's actually a horizontal line going across the page. Um, so that might be an effect that you want um, to support. So if you want that, then use an HR. Uh, again, a call can be, which is uh, one of the things that we use in tables, that can be certainly a singleton. The image tag, as we already said, the input tag, Singleton, link tag, and meta tag, those are all singletons. Uh, links and meta, again, we're going to talk about later. Input, we're going to talk about in much more depth in the future. And uh, so that's what we've got. Uh, we're coming to the end of the hour. So I hope you join me next week, uh, same time, 10 a.m., streaming live on KUCI.org, obviously here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Uh, have a nice day.